Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, Undying Light listeners. This is your host, Pastor Alex, and as always, we are back at it with another new episode. This week, we are wrapping up Malachi. We will combine the third and fourth chapter because the fourth chapter is only a handful of verses long, and it is essentially a summary of things that we've talked about numerous times uh, on this show. But we get this opening in Malachi chapter three uh that we'll spend a a good little bit of time on and we will see this wonderful prophecy uh that will come uh, into existence you know about 400 years uh, later so there's a little bit of that time gap that intertestamental intertestament time period where uh the the you know pharisees and all the preachers and all the scribes are all waiting for something to happen. In fact, God is silent during this time, even though uh, there there is some Jewish history recorded, which the Roman Catholic Church would then uh, wrap into their Bible, calling it the Apocrypha. And uh, some of that stuff depicts, you know, older Jewish history. Some of it is that time in between the Old and New Testament period. And they're interesting books but they're not inspired to be in the canon of the Bible. But I always would recommend to read them just to know what you're dealing with and to be familiar with what's going on there because there's some things that are, are fascinating and uh, that we as Christians could in you know partake and enjoy, if you would. So uh, I wouldn't read it as canon of Scripture, but read it in the enjoyment that this is something uh, from this time period about these uh, very uh, p- particular people, if I may. Anyways, enough of that. So it's Friday, and as customary, the last few weeks we've uh, shortened, if not cut out, all of the fluff and opening commercials. And I just keep pointing you back to the show notes for references for the things that I do, whether it's fitness or uh, the the 
scripture that I do, the patron logos, all that stuff. Check out our show notes, see what we are involved in. Please, if you have questions, DM me on Facebook or Instagram. I'm more than willing to talk, answer questions, and provide my own testimony, depending on if you're asking me a fitness question or not. I'm not a personal trainer. I'm not certified or anything like that. I just used to be really, really heavy, and I have committed myself to a lifetime of fitness and eating right. And so I have that experience personally. And even though I won't be able to give you your own particular diet plan, I can surely help you uh, understand how things work a little bit. So come check us out if you want in any of those links. Patron in particular gets you access to all of the behind the scenes stuff that we do on the show. Uh, As today is the 20th of September, I'm recording for uh, next Friday's episode. And uh, already, so my Fridays, I'm only uh, one week ahead. So I have this coming Fridays recorded, and this will be the following Friday. And on Tuesday, we've got three or four episodes ahead. So we're cruising through that content pretty good. And we will probably continue to do two episodes. I have made the decision that we will go into a New Testament book after we do Malachi. And I'm going to answer a question on next Friday's episode. So after this one airs, uh, we will take a look at this concept of God's judgment, wrath, and uh, commands to kill other nations in the Old Testament. We're going to unpack some of that. We're going to try and look at some specific instances. We, We won't be able to touch base on all of them, but we'll take that question and that task at hand because it is... Uh, there is some complexity to it, and there's some things that I think as Christians we need to understand about the character and nature of God through the eyes of the Old Testament. So we will spend a little bit of time looking at that next week, and then we will go into a New Testament book. The remaining uh, five, I believe, minor prophets that we haven't touched yet on this episode will then transition to be exclusive episodes for patrons and I will record them, and then they will be re- have the releases specifically to them. So if you're interested in the rest of the Minor Prophets, it's another incentive to come and join us uh, on top of a weekly Bible study and everything else we do. So those are just some of the big things. Obviously, I can talk about them forever because they are so near and dear to my heart, but this show is about unpacking Scripture and explaining things to you, and hopefully in a manner that you can read it and say, oh, okay, that makes sense, or I never picked that up, or maybe that's a new perspective. And these are things that I've, um, you know, put on my shoulders as a means to, uh, to, to hold, if you would, because I find so many shows out there, and they're wonderful shows, uh, by by amazing hosts, they do a phenomenal job at giving you the complexities of doctrine and digging into all of those theological terms and unpacking them and talking about all these complex topics and things like that. Those are wonderful and great shows, and I applaud them and I love listening to them because I I like to to really test my ear on those shows. But the more I grow in my walk with Christ not only as a podcast host, but as a pastor, one of the big things for me is taking the complexities of scripture and making them listenable and palatable, if you would, for any person in the church. And even for those who are seasoned theologians, 
who study the scriptures and and put a lot of emphasis on you know their knowledge I try to make these simple for them to just pick up and maybe get a different perspective out of because obviously many would have uh, a different view than I do because I'm a Lutheran and I I would venture to say most of my show which is actually fascinating I want to segue here really quick there was a map that came out um, that basically takes your show and then it draws these crazy lines. I'm going to try and get a video kind of snapshot of it because it was absolutely phenomenal to see all of the different shows that you as a listener to this show are connected with, whether they were uh, conservative pol- political shows on one spectrum and then we've got Lutheran content, the like issues, etc., and being Lutheran and Lutheran Answers and all those wonderful shows that was a big piece. Uh, and then there's those of you who listen to this show and many other reformed shows. And then there's some uh, outlying. So, so that was really fascinating. So it, it gives you kind of this basic overview of who uh, is listening to your show, but what else are they listening to as well? And so I'm going to try and capture a video of it on my phone because I, I think it was just it was just really a cool thing. I'll have that my my probably my stories. Maybe I'll do a reel on it. I don't know yet, but uh, super interesting and fascinating content there. But if you are a part of this and you listen to like the political uh, conservative podcasts, like PragerU and all those others, or uh, I think some people listen to Ben Shapiro's, and there's a whole plethora. I mean, there's probably eight or nine different shows there. If you're in that group or you're in the group of that listens to the more of the reform podcast and in that uh, you would probably have a different opinion or different hermeneutic to the scripture than what I do. And and I appreciate be, without a measure of the doubt that you listen to this show because that really is encouraging to me to continue to share and preach what I know. But like I said a few minutes ago, the biggest thing for me is, is my approach not only as a pastor, but as a podcast host is to take this content and and explain it and make it easy for those to to you know handle however there is complex topics and passages we can't really explain but we try to do our best and draw light to it and with the complete canon of scripture we have the ability to answer some of those questions and sometimes we just don't frankly know like if you listen to the Tuesday show and you listened to the series on on the sacraments, baptism, and the Lord's Supper. When we get to the Lord's Supper, there's just some complexities uh, to the scripture there in Matthew 26 that we just we just have to take at face value because this is just what Jesus says, and that's just the way it's going to be. And there's some of those things that are left to the mysteries of the gospel and the mysteries of how God works and operates, and those are well and fine and great, and we should recognize that. So let's get into chapter three and uh, see where we are for the, for the week. As I mentioned, we will wrap up three and four today, and then we will um, part ways with the Old Testament after next week's show, because uh, next week will be kind of a big deep dive into God's wrath in the Old Testament, and we will then move into a New Testament. I, I think... I'm being drawn to the book of Acts and I would like to spend some time working through that because for me, it's a learning experience 
and it would be it would be something really fascinating for me to pick up and work through uh, the earliest uh, movements of the apostles and all of those things. I'm familiar with Acts, but I would love to do a deeper dive and unpack the you know like the steps. Like Paul went to this place and did this, and then wrote this book, and then moved over, and Peter did that and wrote this letter. And so those are things that we we may look at. Uh, Acts was was a popular one suggested, and then. Uh, a few others were uh, some of the Pauline letters, uh, the Pauline epistles, if you would. And a couple of people had suggested doing a gospel. So we may do uh, like Acts, then a gospel, or we'll do a gospel, then Acts, because we kind of want to do the life of Jesus, then move into the life of the apostles after Jesus. So that might be what we do. And we'll, you know, I'll play with that. I got two weeks before, well, it's technically, yeah, it'll be two weeks before I record that episode. So. Let's get into the meat of the show and uh, let's see what we got. We're going to read the first uh, five verses and we'll see what Malachi has to say. He says, behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and the filler's soap. He will sit as a refiner in a purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them with gold and silver, and they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord in the days of old and as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker for his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust against the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. So that is the opening uh, construct of chapter 3. And as we mentioned uh, earlier in the show, um, verse 7, well, last week's show, not this week, Last week's show, we mentioned that verse 17 of chapter 2 is tied in. So let's read verse 17 because this section is titled The Messenger of the Lord. And verse 17 goes like this. You have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, have we not wearied him? By saying everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord and he delights in them. Or by asking, where is God in justice? And then Malachi continues writing, behold, I send my messenger. Now, we know that this is God speaking through Malachi, so we would be able to understand that this messenger is not Malachi. In fact, one interpretation, and one I will probably side with mostly, is that this messenger is not actually pointing to Jesus Christ. This messenger is pointing to John the Baptist, because as we know, John the Baptist is the last prophet, the last person or figure of the Old Testament covenant before the coming of Christ. Luther says this, he says, the Lord says, I will send you a genuine Malachi. That is a messenger. Who is John the Baptist? John prepares the way for Christ by proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As indicated in Mark 1, 4, uh, the Lord and the messenger of the covenant. This is an even more distinguished messenger, our Lord Jesus Christ. So now Uh, Here in the latter part of verse 1, 
uh, we get the the actual moment that Jesus Christ is prophesied. So there's essentially two prophecies coming out of uh, these verses. The first is the prophecy of John the Baptist coming. And then if as we go along, we have in the Lord whom you will seek will suddenly come to his temple in the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. That messenger, the second one, is in fact Jesus Christ, who brought the new covenant in his blood. And this is another interesting take. We've talked about it in the Lord's Supper episodes with the particular types of translations. In the older English, the King James Version, like the 1611 and all those, if we read Matthew 26, he's going to say, this is a testament of my blood. And in the newer English translations, ESV, NASB, and all that, which is what I read mostly, uh, Jesus, the words are changed from testament to covenant. And they have relatively the same meaning. Is I particularly prefer testament more so because it's the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. And it's giving that command to do this action with the promise that the sins will be forgiven. And in somebody's last will and testament, they are unchangeable by man. So Christ initiates it and it is approved by heaven essentially. And there's no changing it for uh, from our end whatsoever. This is the promise from Christ that this this sacrament will always contain the forgiveness of sin. So that happens here, and a lot happening here in verse 1. Uh, we see that Jesus is the God of justice with whom the people have desired. This is going back to verse 17 of chapter 2. Uh, John and Jesus were both approximately 400 years after the time of Malachi. So as I mentioned earlier in the show on that one, Malachi writes this prophecy, and then 400 years approximately. Some theologians would argue closer to 430 uh, we have the prophecy of John the Baptist coming in and Jesus Christ following a few short months later. So who can endure when the Lord appears, when God, when the God of justice appears, all will be found guilty, as Paul writes in Romans 3.23. The refining fire is used to remove the impurities from metals, and everlasting punishment is compared to the lake of fires, Revelation 20.14 states. Luther says this, he says, Christ is not merely the purifier, but also the purifying agent. He is not only the blacksmith, but also the fire. Not only the cleaner, but also the soap. And then verse 3, we get a little bit more distinctive measures here on the purifier of silver. One who puts silver through the fire until it pure, until all the impurities are burned away. The sons of Levi is a prophecy referring to the Christians, the royal priesthood, as Peter indicates in 1 Peter 2.9, who will replace the Levitical priesthood. This is another fascinating piece, too, because I'm reading, or I just got done reading Luther's appeal to the ruling class. And in that, there's the his, he's going against essentially all the things that the Roman Catholic Church is doing and the, and the Pope is doing, and he makes the statement that the Pope and all of the religious heads of the Roman Catholic Church have separated themselves from everybody else. All the ruling classes, the emperors, the servants, the people who attend their church, anybody who is not a part of this quote-unquote religious class has been separated. And they 
and they are held at a lower esteem than those of this religious class. And Luther is hammering on this concept that we in our baptism are all equal before the eyes of God. A bishop or the pope does not have any sort of inferior uh, stance. They're not a superior to anybody other than they can uh, designate new bishops to churches, things like that. That's where their authority should have ended. Instead, it is uh, it becomes quite a business for them to make money. And Luther goes on to harp against the, the money-making schemes that they have. Fascinating little pamphlet. It's about 80-some pages long. Uh, it took me a day or so to read just because it is uh, a little dry and Luther's long-winded. So, But it's Luther's appealing to the ruling class. It's a letter that he writes to the German nobility about the Roman Catholic Church. Anyways, let's move on here because uh, we can spend all to- all day long on these verses, but uh, for time's sake, we got to get through the rest of <laughs> chapter three. Uh, the people in Malachi's day ask, where is the God of justice? And this is the same framework that Peter uses in 2 Peter 3, 4. The Lord makes it very clear that the day of the judgment is coming. He wants all people to be prepared for that day. That's why he sent his messenger in the new covenant, Jesus Christ, to suffer and die for the sins of the world. Christ will come again, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him, as Hebrews 9.28 states. So that is a summary of verse 17 in chapter 2 through verse 5 in chapter 3. So we get into verse 6. This will take us through verse 15 now, and we have robbing God as the headline here. And Malachi continues writing. He says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. For the days of your fathers you have turned aside, and my statues you have not kept. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, have we not robbed you in your tithes and contributions? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse and there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer's fate or the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and the vine of the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed. And you will have a land of delight, says the Lord. Your words have been against, have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of you keeping your charge or walking as the morning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers will not only prosper, but will put God to the test and they escape. So that takes us through verse 15 of chapter 3. Uh, we, we really kick it off pretty heavy with a very hard doctrine that the ELCA church can't seem to grasp. Uh, but this is the statement, the Lord does not change. The fifth part of Malachi begins with the Lord's assertion that he will never change. He continues to condemn sin, but his mercy will also endure forever. As indicated in the children of Jacob, 
This is, goes back to chapter 1, verse 2. The Lord assured Jacob's offspring of his love, which remains constant. And the Lord refrains from doing what he ought right to do, which would be bring judgment to Israel. Uh, in this seventh verse, we have the turning aside. Uh, they have left uh, God and they have forsaken his ways. In fact, we've talked about that a few times in previous episodes. And it almost seems like anytime we do a minor prophet, that's always the framework that they have turned aside. They've turned their backs. They've turned away. Uh, here in Malachi, they're offering bad offerings in the temple and they are uh, or would be considered blaspheming the the temple offerings and they are not following through with what he has commanded earlier in the Torah for him. So the Hebrew word for turned aside is shub. I don't know if that's spelled or spelled right. I don't know if it's pronounced correctly. It's S-H-U-B. I'm not a Hebrew expert, as you know, at this point. But it means to turn off a path to the right or left. God's people walked in directions contrary to his intended course. Then God says, return to me and I will return to you. This is another play on that Hebrew word to turn around, to turn or return, often translated repent. So Malachi gives us that repent and I will return to you command. Uh, and repentance is an interesting word because that is something we can get tied up pretty easily in the New Testament. And when we get to the book of Acts, we will dig into that concept deeper. Verse 8 Will man rub God? This rhetorical question from God should always be answered no. The question acts as an accusation. The ties and contributions is the Lord had commanded his people to give a tenth of their income to support the Levites, a contribution to the Lord, as indicated in Numbers 18. Nehemiah 13.10 records what is not being done, and the people were stealing from God by failing to support the ministry of the Levites. Luther says this, uh, certainly God does not say that if he really cared about tithes, etc. Rather, he says it, it is to preserve the ministry of the word. The Lord demanded support for the Levitical priesthood, even though the priests were uh, derelict in their duties. So, very simply, we could uh, we could assert that it is not the the ties are not for God, as Luther has indicated, and more so, it's kind of that same framework. Good works aren't for God; they're for our neighbor. So, the ties would be then for the church. So, if you have the ability to tithe and you have the ability to give, then do so to your local church and help them thrive and help them to survive the uh, craziness that comes in the world. So, you know, our, our church is, and is just like every other small country town church. We, we are one generation away from closing the doors and we are working diligently with the younger crowds to see how we can get them back into church. But more or less, we are working tirelessly to find a means by which we can financially uh, stay open for the coming years. And that's every church's problem, unless you're a big box, non-denominational mega church where you get million dollars a year in expenses and you get a million five in revenue from tithes and offerings. My church barely takes in over a hundred thousand a year in tithes and we operate on a on, on about that of a budget when it comes to the expenses to run a parsonage and a church and all the electrical things, all the p 
pays and duties that we are obligated to, taxes, insurance, all that stuff. It is an expensive business to run a church. And that doesn't even that's not even covering the 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 cost of a pastor. Some pastors are, you know, on the cheaper end of the spectrum and they they have a 30 to $40,000 salary. Some are on the higher end and they demand an 80 to 100,000 year salary or more depending on the church and the structure. But for my church, we are a small budget church. We operate in a very tight manner. And that is why tithes and offerings are exceptionally important for us. So this verse 10 here points to the entire tithe, which would be the entire 10%. Uh, This is another throwback to the Old Testament. But for the New Testament Christian, we are not obligated to fulfill the tithes for that. But now we have the ability to give our first fruits or give whatever we are able to financially give so that the church may survive and and thrive in the future. And when I say thrive, I don't mean to, you know, have this uh, overwhelming or over sensational, you know, amount of money that's coming in. I'm saying thrive as in keep the doors open and people in the pews for the next generation. That's what I mean by thriving. So verses verses 6 through 15, Jeremiah's complaint, why does the way the wicked always prospers, Jeremiah 12, 1 says, responds to Malachi's day. Many of Jacob's children think nothing of robbing God uh, by foreholding their full tithes because it seems to them that the evildoers will always prosper. And it is true that the wicked often prosper in this life, though God does not promise that his people may enjoy worldly blessings. He also warns that they can expect suffering too. Because of Christ's death and resurrection, we can be certain of his eternal blessings, as Ephesians 3, 1 and 11 through 14 state. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, Romans 6, 23. So let's wrap out chapter three here, the book of remembrance, starting with the 16th verses, two verses here. Those who, uh, then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention to and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before them of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts in the day that I will make up my treasured possessions and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more, You shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. Let's read on through uh, four here. There's six verses here. The The great day of the Lord. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will stumble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, and so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing on its wings. You should go out leaping like calves from the stall and you shall not tread down and you shall tread down the wicked for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. And on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts, remember the law of my servant Moses, the statues and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all of Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will come to turn the hearts of the fathers of their children to the hearts of the of children to their fathers, 
lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. All right, that wraps out chapter uh, four. Um, but let's condense 16 through 18 really quick. The Lord assures those who fear him uh, will that their service will not be in vain and that they will be spared in the day of judgment. God, fearing people, they are guilty according to God. They are guilty according to God's law, but they know God's forgiveness leads them to love and trust him above all things. Psalm 130 verse four. So the day is coming in verse one of chapter four, the day of the Lord. We have made a few references to that in this uh, portion and verse 17 even states that uh, the day of the Lord um, it is coming in the framework that we don't have a day. And here's the other thing. So we begin chapter three with the sending of the messenger. And if we understand in chronological times, the day of the Lord is not going to come in or before that messenger of the covenant, which is Jesus Christ comes. The day of the Lord will come after the finished work of Christ. And now we wait ever so patiently for that particular day. So as pointed out a few times in these last few verses, when he comes, he will judge the living and the dead. The burning like an oven, the Lord will uh, use his images of heat, fire, and burning to portray the day of judgment. This is indicated in Matthew 25, verse 41, and 2 Peter 3, verse 10. The evildoers who seem to prosper in this life will end up like a plant's stalk after harvest. They will have neither root nor branch. The fire will be so intense that nothing of the plant will remain. So this is the destructive nature on the day of the Lord for the evildoers, those who have rejected God's promise and have rejected the Christian life, rejected Christ, all these things. They will be cast into the lake of fire and they will experience God's wrath. Verse 2, the fear of my name, this again ties into those who... uh, our believers, the Lord addresses them directly here. The sons of righteousness is a contrast to the burning fire of judgment. The heat of the sun warms believers with the healing message of God's righteousness in Christ. Isaiah 58, 8 uh, is a referencing point for that. And then I have uh, St. Bernard of Clairvaux. Those whom he called, he is also ju- uh, justified over. Them a sun rises, though not the sun which may daily be seen rising over good and bad alike, but he of whom the prophet speaks when addressing himself to those alone have been called to the council. So we move on to verse 3. We have the ashes under the feet. Only the ashes of the wicked will remain. This kind of can be maybe interpreted as annihilation theology where the wicked will be um, will be annihilated and, and essentially removed from existence. But what we understand in the greater scope is this isn't talking about their spirits per se or their soul, but it's about their bodies, their fleshly bodies. And so they will be cast into the lake of fire and what will remain here of their bodies is nothing more than ashes. So this prophet that we see in verse five show up, Elijah the prophet. Uh, this can this can be taken a few different ways. I've heard people use um, 
John the Baptist as Elijah or the coming of Elijah. I've heard on the Mount of Transfiguration that Elijah shows up, and that is what this verse is pointing to. So there's a couple different ways that we can look at it. Uh, The messenger is identified here as someone like the great prophet Elijah, who has called Israel to repentance and was taken alive to heaven, as indicated in 2 Kings chapter 2. John the Baptist came in power and spirit of Elijah. Moses and Elijah appeared to Jesus at his transfiguration, as Matthew 17, 3 states. So, to summarize this, the last Old Testament book concludes with the Lord's announcement of the day of judgment that is coming. For those who refuse to repent and believe the gospel, it means utter destruction. But for those who fear his name, this will be a day of rejoicing. John the Baptist called the people in this day to repentance and faith in the coming Savior. How great of a message is that for us to hear? So that wraps up Malachi, and we went a little over our mark today, but uh, I think we did all right. So we we have the, the final prophet in the Old Testament, the final book, and we are just a few short hundred years from the New Testament, and we will pick up our story with uh, the life and ministry of Christ as we will probably spend an exorbitant amount of time working through a gospel in the coming months. So that will change change the pace of the show a little bit. And if you are interested in more of the minor prophets and things of the old Testament, then come join us on Patreon, is where I am working diligently for school and for them to help address and understand the complexities of the old Testament. So that's that ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. I hope you have a blessed Friday and a great weekend. Get to church on Sunday and partake in the sacraments and worship and be reminded that your sins are forgiven by the blessed nature and the mercy of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Have a wonderful week. We will see you all later. fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.